You're listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Father God, we praise you. We're here for you this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in the earth, and we just want to join the the shouts and the cry of all of creation that says it's about you, we worship you, we bring glory to you, you're worthy of our praise. We say hallelujah collectively. And so God, be honored today as your church gathers, not just in New Spring, but across the globe. Our brothers and sisters in Africa, Europe, Asia, they've already worshiped you on this first day of the week. And now it's our turn here in the state of South Carolina to join the chorus of those that are worshiping you. And so we're here for you, God. Be blessed in this time. It's in Christ's name we pray. And we say together, amen. Would you give the Lord a shout one more time, one more, your best hand clap. Amen, amen. You go ahead and grab a seat if you'd like and uh, grab your Bibles this morning. How you doing, church? You ready for this? You ready to get into the Word of God this morning? Amen, I'm ready too. If you got your Bible or you got your notebook, I want you to go ahead and you can open that up to the book of Daniel. We're going to start a brand new series today, uh, and we'll be in Daniel eventually. I'm going to set a lens for us here in just a bit, Uh, and this series is called Citizens. You're going to hear about this over and over again for the next eight weeks, but as I was talking to the Lord about this series months ago, the whisper continued to resonate in my heart these eight weeks for the next 10 years. These eight weeks for the next 10 years. I feel like what we're going to lean into over these next weeks, these eight weeks, is going to be very helpful as we navigate the next decade of our lives. And so I hope you find in yourself that you desire to be a part of every single week. Uh, As a matter of fact, we're doing something a little different in this series. I'm going to take the first two weeks of this series. I'm going to preach today. I'm going to preach next week as well. But we also, with this series, many of you know, we've got a group's curriculum that we're rolling out. Uh, this this series with. And so uh, Mayor actually has done the recording for that. And so if you've got a group or if you're looking to be a part of a group, then what you need to do right now is grab your phone. Maybe many of you have already done this. And you need to text the word groups right there to 30303. That new spring number, that's our number. That's the one they gave us. Don't know why we got 30303, but that's ours, y'all. And so if you want to be a part of a group at your campus, that'll help you get into a group because we're going to do some preaching on Sundays, but how many of you know it's an everyday relationship we're called to have with the Lord? And being a part of a group will make a big difference. And so maybe you're a part of a group. You've got some folks that are in a group text or maybe some golfing buddies you hang out with, maybe some ladies that you group with uh, on the cell phone. This is a place to get around the Word of God, and we've got some video content that will pair with this curriculum. Uh, on Sunday mornings, and we want you to walk out this everyday relationship and be ready for the life that God has for us. So that's where we're going uh, over the next eight weeks. So it's September, and uh, September is one of my favorite months. Anybody else love September? Show of hands, September people. Yeah, I love September for a couple of reasons. Number one, my wife green lights me to start growing my beard. So uh, it's September, and uh, we don't wait till no shave November. We get it going and just, you know, Shave nothing September, you know what I mean? So we're here. We'll get the beard going. I like September because it starts to cool off a little bit, right? I like September because of Earth, Wind, and Fire, the greatest song ever written. September, where you at? Come on, y'all. It's, uh, I've got it in your head now. It's not the 21st night of September today, but 
Uh, it is one of the greatest songs ever written. I like September because it's my anniversary later this month. My wife and I got married on the 25th of September. That's coming up. September's an awesome month, but September's also where we're rolling out our group's curriculum. We wanted you guys to be a part of that. But I remember 22 years ago in September, I uh, stepped on campus at Furman University. I was so excited. I'd left home. And I had all the adrenaline of being off to college. I know I've talked to many college students uh, that are here and you're starting your first semester. And I was uh, there for orientation, freshman orientation. That was awesome. I was there to play ball, so I was getting to meet my teammates. And then, and then we were coming up to have class, the first week of class. I was a little bit nervous, didn't know exactly what to expect. I show up to class my very first day of college and I had an 8 a.m. class. And I, I don't know why I hadn't thought about this, but in college, those of you guys that, that did this too, the cool thing is you don't stay on campus all day. You go to your 8 a.m. class and you get a syllabus and then the teacher says, you know, um, we'll see you tomorrow for the start of, you know, 30 minutes of class. And so instead of staying on campus, I walked back to my dorm room. And back then we didn't have, you know, like uh, YouTube TV or, you know, Netflix. You just had whatever was on syndicated Cable, you all right? Some of y'all folks from back in the 1900s are with me on this. Uh, and so back then, you watched Sports Center, all right? And I watched Sports Center over and over again, saw the same highlights over and over and over again. So I remember turning on, Stuart Scott was on Sports Center, and I was going to watch some Sports Center back in my dorm. I couldn't believe it. I'm in college, got my syllabus, get back to my dorm, I'm watching Sports Center. All of a sudden, they, they cut from Sports Center and they go to New York City. First day of college, they show the scene of this building that's got smoke billowing out the side of it. They didn't know what had happened, but apparently a plane had crashed into a side of a building in New York City. That was my first day of college. 30 minutes later, another plane crashed into the side of another building. And then the president was on the news, and they realized this was an attack, a terrorist attack. It's September 11th was my first day of college. And you guys that were alive then, those that weren't, you've read about this in your history books. But the world changed on September 11th, didn't it, church? Changed. The whole world, everything shifted. Everything changed. And I can remember a deep sense of being off to college and going, you know what I want to be? Home with my parents. I didn't want to be in college. I wanted to be home. And they canceled class that week at Furman University. They canceled class all over the state. And, and, and people began to kind of figure out what was going on in this new world. And, and I remember that first semester of school, things really shifting for me. It put a lot of things in perspective. I remember walking into the, the bookstore at Furman later that week, and I picked up a book by an author named C.S. Lewis. It was a book called Mere Christianity. And in Mere Christianity, there was this quote. I want to put it before us today. It's a good jumping off point this morning. Here's what he says. C.S. Lewis says, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that perhaps I was made for another world. Anybody ever felt that before? That deep sense of, we're not, we're not made for this place. That deep sense of dissatisfaction. That deep sense of a longing for home. That deep sense of, there are things in this world that just are not right, and I don't, I, and so sometimes you can find it in deep pain moments like on 9-11. Other times you find it actually, paradoxically, in moments of great celebration. Um, I can remember moments of birthday parties or moments of Christmas service or Christmas celebrations or, or moments of 
things that the family was doing and having a great sense of celebration and then you get to the end of it and you realize that it's all got to be over and that it's time to put up the, the gifts, it's time to go away from the party, it's time to, you know, the season's over, that everything is coming to an end. What is that about? What we're going to talk about in these next eight weeks is this reality that's inside of your heart. If you're a Christ follower, you'll know it and you've got language for it. If you've, if you've felt this feeling and you've, you don't know exactly how to, how to categorize it, I believe this series could be for you. It's, it's something that's in the heart of all of humanity is we have this deep sense of, uh, if you're a Christ follower, that we have a home somewhere else. The Bible calls it being a citizen of heaven. While at the same time, the, the New Testament puts this language that we are sojourners and exiles here on earth, that we're just traveling through. We're here on a journey that we are not at our home yet. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this phrase that being a citizen is just defining where's home, answering that question. Being a citizen is simply defined by being able to answer the question, where is home? Where's home for you? And I'm a proud Carolinian, y'all. I'm just going on record here. Uh, my friends will tell you this. I love going to the city. How many of y'all are city folks? Show of hands. Couple of y'all, couple of y'all. All right, handful. There's like three in Anderson's Auditorium, okay? Um, maybe, maybe Greenville had some more, Charleston, okay? You guys are kind of right there on the city plex, okay? Um, but, but I like going to a city for a ball game. I like going to a city for a, a night away with my wife. But every time I go away, I hear James Taylor as I get ready to come home, because I'm going to Carolina in my mind. Anybody with me on that? I, t I have a standing joke. I have a standing joke I have with some of my friends uh, that like to go to big cities. I say, you know why cities exist, don't you? Cities exist because those folks don't know the Carolinas do. And some of y'all want to keep it that way, don't you? All right, but some of y'all are finding out the Carolinas are a great place to be. I love the Carolinas. I love the Carolinas because that's where I was born and raised. But something even, even for those that love where you live, something happens when you become a follower of Christ. It's what Paul wrote about in the book of Philippians. We'll use this to kind of get a lens for us. In Philippians chapter three, Paul wrote this to Christians. He says this, but our what church? Our citizenship is where? It is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. To, to follow Christ is to become a citizen of a new place. You get a new heart with a new citizenship, a new home. And though you might love where you are, or though you might be dissatisfied with where you are, you begin to have this beacon that starts calling you to another place. It wasn't just Paul who wrote like this. Peter as well filled up his letter to the church in the New Testament. He would use the opposite side of this language in uh, his letter to the church, 1 Peter 1. This is how he introduces the letter. He writes this. This is from Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's writing to the church, and he says this, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. So he's talking to folks who are spread out across Judea, Israel, the Mediterranean, and they are elect exiles. He goes on to say later in that same letter, beloved, I want to urge you as sojourners and exiles. So he would write to the church and he says, one of the things that you and I have got to wrestle with is that we can't put our roots down too deep right here on earth because we're not from around here. That we've got a new home, Christ follower, and that we're from another place. And that, that though we might build a, a, a house here, or live in an apartment here, or have 
family and friends here that there's going to be something that constantly is pointed to our heavenly home and that we are to travel through and to operate and have an economy of life and action that says to people, I'm not from around here. Let me put a goal for us as a church, as pastoral teams, as an elder here. One of the things that my job, my my job description is to lead and feed you towards your heavenly home. For you to know you're not from around here. And us as a team, pastorally, we want you, if you're doing this, what's going to ultimately happen is that you're going to begin to live a life that demands an explanation. If you catch this, if you catch this, I'm a citizen of heaven and I'm just here as a sojourner in exile, the way you operate in your nine to five, the way you operate in your cul-de-sac, the way you operate in your apartment or on the, on the dorm hallways, it's going to begin to demand explanation because it's not gonna make sense with folks that think that this is our home. Are you with me? And so this is the way that the New Testament is written and then Paul would go even further and say to the church in Ephesus that we have a change of citizenry when we become a Christ follower. Here's how he puts it, the same language as in Ephesians 2. So then you, Christians, saints, you are no longer strangers and aliens to Jesus, but but you are fellow citizens with all the saints and members of the household of God. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself is our cornerstone, and in him, the whole structure of the church, the people of God, throughout time and place, being joined together, grows together into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. One of the truths that we've got to reckon with is that God is building his people together from all kinds of denominations throughout time and history, and he's putting us into a community of believers. And when we begin to walk this way, one of the recollections we'll have is when we get up and leave the buildings we're all in, the church will be leaving the building. We'll go out into our worlds and we'll carry the Spirit of God into our workplaces, into our homes, into our schools, onto our college campuses, into a fraternity or sorority, into our, our job sites, into our living rooms. But we're going to begin to operate with a new citizenry. Now, that's the lens that I want to put before us, but now I want to ask a question. Where in the Scriptures do we see this? Where in the scriptures can we glean from someone who has done this? How might we be able to learn this? And I want you now to open up your Bible to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to, in the New Testament, be looking at Peter and what he's written. And then we're going to be looking at Daniel over the course of the next several weeks. Because Daniel literally lived this. Now, a little bit of backstory on Daniel. This is approximately 650 years before Jesus Christ was here. Daniel finds himself being a captive, being a, 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 again, a defeated Israelite people was captured by Nebuchadnezzar and carried off to a city called Babylon. And the book of Daniel, if you're just opening your scriptures and you look in the Old Testament, it's, it's, not, it's not in the place of history, though it is history. Interestingly enough, the book of Daniel, the way that the Old Testament Hebrew people break down the Torah into three categories, the books of law, the books of history, and the books of the prophetic, the prophets. Daniel, though it is history, is actually placed in the prophetic book. Why? Because Daniel is repeated history or prophetic history. 
One of the things that you're going to see in this passage as we begin to read and preach from it the next several weeks is that Daniel is not just something that happened, but it's something that's always happening. Are you with me? If you're with me, say, I'm here. Daniel is a book, prophetic book from history 600 years before Christ, but what you're going to begin to realize is it's something that happened, but it's something that always happens, that it's in a cycle and it's cyclical. And the way that Daniel lived is the way that Christians throughout time and history are living. And it's going to be a way forward for us. Now, we are coming up on, I know, brace for it, ready? We're coming up on an election year. Shh. Hey, y'all, it's going to get loud. Y'all know that? It's going to get loud. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get loud on social media. It's going to get loud on, the, on the, all the news. It's going to get loud on at your Thanksgiving tables, it's gonna get loud, but here's what we're hoping to do. We want to prepare you, and the book of Daniel is a perfectly calibrated book to prepare you and I to not live pulled to the right or pulled to the left, but to be pulled to the kingdom of God. Christ followers throughout time and history are not, listen to me, are not pulled to the right or left, but are pulled vertical to the kingdom of God. We live vertical lives. And listen, there's going to be some things as we unpackage Daniel that you're going to have the tendency to be triggered on. I know that's a phrase and a word. Because you're going to go, gosh, that feels political. Listen, long before things were political, they were spiritual. And there are spiritual things that are behind political realities. Everything we see in life is got a spiritual underpinning. And so before it gets too political, I want you to see that there is a spiritual battle happening in the earth. And Daniel finds himself in the country and nation of Babylon. It was a real historical place for a real historical time. But here's what you need to know before we open up Daniel 1. We see Babylon at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, and we also see Babylon at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. It is a thread that goes from beginning to end. There is constantly a spirit of Babylon coming against the spirit of God in the earth. And you see it set up for you in Daniel. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to show you three things that Daniel had for him, going for him, that helped him step into this place to live a vertical life, a kingdom down life, to cause impact into his world, though he did not have power and authority and influence. By the end of the book of Daniel, listen to me, this is so phenomenal. Daniel and his three friends that we're going to meet here this morning, the four of them outlasted four emperors that you're going to meet through the book of Daniel. Think about that. Four of them outlasted the emperors and the kingdoms that would come and go. And I want you to know that in Jesus Christ, look at me in my eyes right here. You need to catch this. In Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what comes this year. doesn't matter what comes this election cycle or the next election cycle. doesn't matter what happens. Wars and rumors of wars. Whatever comes our way, you and I are going to be able to stand the test of time because we are connected to an everlasting kingdom and our Lord has established victory and I want you and your family to not be swayed and run over by culture and we want to give that to you and it, it's all connected to the reality of being a citizen of heaven. If you'll receive that, say amen. Amen? So here's what Daniel 1 says. Let's open our word. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, that's the king of Israel, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it, made war. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. 
And he brought them to the land of Shinar, that's Babylon, to the house of his God. And he placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, everybody say Ashpenaz. That's a fun name, Ashpenaz. His chief eunuch, that's not a fun title. Fun name, not a fun title. Okay, stay with me. To bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding and learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. And watch this. And to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans, this is Babylon. So what's happening here? is we are going to go after the young people of the next generation and we're going to teach them at Babylon University. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank and they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. I'm gonna come back to those names in just a moment. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Verse eight is the key to the whole book. And Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, he's talking about Nebuchadnezzar, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than all the other youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king? Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat, water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested him for how many days? Tested him for 10 days. At the end of those 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in the flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in visions and dreams. Verse 18, and the, at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before King Nebuchadnezzar and the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times, say 10 times, 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. 
Father God, we have read your word. Now we invite your word to read us. Would you help us? Would you lead us? Would you grow us? Would you prepare us? In Christ's name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Point number one I want you to write down is very simply this. I mentioned it in under verse eight right there is the first thing that Daniel did is that Daniel decided. Daniel decided. One of the things that becoming a citizen of heaven is gonna require of us is that we are going to have to be resolute. Verse eight, it said, and Daniel resolved. We're gonna have to make some decisions. There comes a point in the reality of following Jesus that you say, I have decided to follow Jesus. As the old hymn says, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. Daniel had decided to follow the Lord. Right there in verse eight, it says, in the midst of where he was and what he was doing, being a defeated people and carried off, he made a decision to follow the Lord anyway. Now, let me give you a little bit of the backstory around this. Um, I mentioned that there was a fellow named Ashpenaz. Say Ashpenaz. And what was his title? He had a fun name, but not a fun title. He was the chief of the? All right, if you don't know what that is, ask mom and dad later. But here's what I need you to know. He was the chief of the eunuchs, and so he was given all of the other folks from the, the land of Judea, Daniel and his friends. And so Daniel himself and his three friends were also eunuchs. Now, maybe you didn't see that, or maybe you hadn't thought about that. Maybe they didn't tell you that on the felt board in Sunday school back when you were learning about Daniel in the lion's den. They left that one out. But Daniel and all of those captured from Judah were made eunuchs. Now, here's what I want you to see. This is the truth. When it comes to the spirit of Babylon and it comes to the world we're in and the reality we're in, constantly the spirit of Babylon is going to come after the next generation. Because if they can calibrate and take the next generation out, then ultimately there is nothing left in the people of God in the kingdom of God. And so there was three things that I wanted to point out that were right there in the text that happened to Daniel and his three friends uh, and that are so, so important. Uh, the, the first one was that the spirit of God forced them into a new design, took away their manhood, emasculated them. That's what happened. That's heavy hitting, but that's the reality of the spirit of Babylon is constantly trying to come against our design, our God design. The second thing that the spirit of Babylon is constantly doing is, is going to begin to tempt us, listen to me, begin to tempt us with the delicacies of the land of Babylon. Think about being defeated, having to walk and journey from Judah all the way to Babylon, getting there, being emasculated, but then they're gonna put before you the king's table, the king's steak, some big filet, some mashed potatoes with some mac and cheese. I don't know, maybe it was Southern Babylon with some, some fat back in the, in the green beans. Or, come on, somebody, we're talking about food here, all right? Listen, and to put that before these young men and leads them by their stomach. Do you see the connection that's happening in our world today? The world around us is constantly putting cravings before us to lead us away from the spirit of God, lead us away from the people of God to cause us to give in to the spirit of Babylon. It might actually be wine and alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be numbing ourselves with technology. It could be, it could be eating from the world's table. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar would do. He led these young men, these youths, 
Hey, middle schoolers and high schoolers, I want you to know this is what the spirit of Babylon is continuing to do. Mom and dad, mom and dad, this is what the world is trying to do to get your sons and daughters to eat from its table. And listen, I just want you to get this. There is not a 35-minute sermon on a Sunday that can overcome the assimilation of the other six and a half days of the week if we're constantly eating from the world's table. We've got to be a people of God that get into the Word of God. We need the everyday relationship of God. We need the community of God. This is the way forward that Daniel had, and so he was able to walk away and decide that he was going to lovingly push back and say, I don't want to eat from the king's table. So one, they changed his design. Two, they offered him the delicacies of this world. And three, they changed Daniel and his three friends' identities. Now, people talk about identity all the time now, don't they, church? All the time. This is an old play because the enemy always runs the same play. And he's been doing it for thousands of years. He's coming after your identity, my identity, Daniel's identity. He was named Daniel, which means God is my judge. Yahweh is my judge, literally. He was renamed Belteshazzar, which means Baal. Baal is my prince. Mishael, his name meant who is like God or who is like Yahweh? He was renamed Shadrach, which means I'm illumined by Aku. That was one of the, the gods of the Babylonians. Hananiah, his name literally means Jehovah is gracious or Yahweh is gracious. He was named that, but he was actually renamed Meshach, which means who is like Aku? Changed his identity. And then the last one, Azariah, that's his name means Yahweh is my helper or Jehovah is my helper. And he was called Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. Abednego, servant of Nebo. This was the way that in Babylon, at Babylon University, they were going to assimilate and indoctrinate and form and shape the next generation. We're gonna change their design. We're gonna come after their identity and we're gonna offer them all of the fatty, yummy foods of this world. Now it's crickets in here this morning because that spirit's still in the earth today and I think everybody recognizes it. It's still here, coming after our next generation, coming after us, coming after our homes. And so here's what I wanna, I wanna help build the problem because we have a solution and here's what I want you to see. We're gonna journey with these young men who had spiritual formation that overcame this, but they had to decide to say yes to it. And listen, a no decision is a decision because I want you to know today that Babylon has a formation plan for you and whether or not you and I decide to say yes to the formation plan of God to be formed into the image of Christ, you are going to be formed whether you and I like it or not. You're being formed. The world wants to form you. Satan has a, a formation plan for your life, for your home, for your legacy. He has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so Daniel decided, point number two, Daniel was tested. He was tested in this. And he was tested in this, and he was found to have what it took. Now, I'm gonna talk more about this next week, but here's just a truth statement. How many of y'all have already had a test since you've been back at school? Where are my students at? You've already had a test. A couple of you got a test. Some of you got a test tomorrow. You're already nervous about it. That's why you're in church today. Lord, help me on the test. All right. But these fellows were tested. Here's the truth. I'll say it more next week. But listen, nobody likes a test, but we all love tested things. Nobody likes a test. We all love tested things. That's right, Ty. Nobody likes a test, but we all love tested things. I want to go to a doctor who's going to be able to prescribe me a solution. 
And you know what that doctor had to do? Pass a lot of tests to be a doctor. I'm not going to somebody who stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, even though that they might have what it took, right? We all love, love, love folks that have been tested and approved. We'll drive across tested bridges. You're sitting in a tested chair. Daniel didn't just pass the test. Look at me. Daniel asked for the test. Did you catch that? Verse 12 and 14, it said, Daniel asked to be tested. Here's a, here's a point I want to make this morning. When opportunity knocks, the days of preparation are over. An opportunity came knocking for Daniel, whether he and his friends wanted it or not. But he had said yes to some spiritual formation, and he had allowed himself to be tested. We're going to find out more. Tested in forming in prayer, tested in forming in community, tested in worship of God. He was spiritually formed, so when opportunity knocked, he would pass the test. One of the, one of the ways that the enemy, I think, lulls a lot of Christians to sleep is through comfort. One of the reasons that we would say yes to spiritual disciplines in the church of God, we would discipline ourselves, listen to me, is not, is not because, it's not because um, God wants to punish us. He doesn't want to punish us. He wants to prepare us for the challenge and the test that's going to come up in 2024, in 2030. And if we as Christians are constantly being led by comfort to the Lord's, or away from the Lord's table, we're not going to be formed into the people of God. And when tests come our way, we're going to, we're going to miss the opportunity. One of the reasons you'd say yes to prayer and fasting, reading your Bible, being in community, and you're going to have to say no to some other things in order to do those things, to prioritize those things, is because God wants you to pass the test. He's, he's trying to form you into a tested people. And so we're going to invite you in this series to say yes to being tested. Step into some things that are, that are going to require you to say no to other things in your life. But Daniel and his three friends, they passed the test. And so here what was concluded Twice in chapter one, third and final point was this. Daniel was different. Daniel was different. It was said by first uh, Aspenez saw that he was different. He was different when he, he passed the test from the food situation. He started eating vegetables, he and his friends, and he pushed back the food that was sacrificed to the idols of all of that of Babylon. And he said, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna really, again, step away from worship of God. And he passed the test there. But then again, right there at the end of the chapter, it says that he comes in after three years and he stands before King Nebuchadnezzar and he and his three friends, how many times smarter were they than everybody else? How many times uh, more advanced were they? You yelled it out loud. They were 10x, 10 times more. I want you to see this. That little moment right there is a shadow and a pointer of a moment when all of us will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords one day. And in Jesus Christ, we too will pass the test because of what Christ has done on the cross. But his friends and he, they were different and they passed the test. You know, one of the things about millennials and Gen Z that I love, some of you that are business leaders, you'll know this because you're researching this, but one of the things about millennials and Gen Zs, are, folks, are they are cause-oriented. They love to make a difference. They love, they love to be about causes, but there's a disconnect sometimes because everybody wants to make a difference, but nobody's actually willing to be different. Here's the bottom line I want to land on today before I'm done, is that if we decide here and now to be different, then we will ultimately make a difference. You will. But you can't have those things disconnected. You're not going to get to the end of your life and, and make a difference if you're unwilling to be different now. 
It seemed like a really small thing, didn't it, that Daniel decided that he wasn't going to eat at the king's table? Super small. It's small decisions over time that lead to a life of making a difference. You know, see, Daniel decided that he was going to be a citizen of heaven, though he was in Babylon. And he and his three friends said yes to the formation of God. And they were able to stand when the opportunities of Babylon came their way. And by the end of this entire book, we're going to see that they outlast and outlive all the kingdoms of this world. You see, kings and kingdoms, the old hymn says, will all pass away. But there'll be something about that name, the name of King Jesus And we will all stand in the end if we have placed King Jesus at the center of our lives, made our decisions to be formed into his likeness and image. And we want to help you do that, church, over these next eight weeks. As you're in community, as you're here on a Sunday, as you begin to wrestle at your house, I want you to take two questions with you today as you head out of this place for maybe having conversations around lunch or conversations at your home or conversations with your spouse or your kids. Here they are. Question number one, I want you to ask yourself this question. What small decision do I need to decide to make today? What small decision when it comes to following God or following the things of God do I need to say yes to? It was a small thing for Daniel to decide. I don't want to eat the king's food. He didn't do it in a a dishonorable way. He didn't get wild and loud about it. He was respectful, but he made the decision. I'm going to decide to follow Jesus. Maybe it's a decision at home. Maybe it's a decision with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids. What small decision? And then the next question I want to ask you this morning as we come to close is, as it goes right now, are you currently a citizen of heaven or are you a citizen of this world? Where's your citizenship today, really? There were a lot of Hebrews that day that said, well, I'm going to just eat the king's food. I'm going to eat Nebuchadnezzar's food. My, my people have been defeated. Our temple's been torn down. He's going to offer me a steak I hadn't eaten in such a long time. I'm going to pull up to his table. But Daniel and his three friends, they decided, they were tested, they were different, and that distinctive, that's what disciples do. And when you and I begin to do that, over time, we will be a people that make a difference. We will be a people that outlast the kingdoms of this world. If you'll receive that, would you say amen? Amen. I want to invite you to your feet on our campuses today. We're moving now into a time of response. I want to just ask you one more time, where's home? Where are you a citizen? Are you a citizen of heaven? If you want to today decide to be a citizen of heaven, all you got to do is place your loyalty, your faith, that's the language of the New Testament, in King Jesus. Say, hey, I want to be a citizen of heaven. I want to place my faith in King Jesus. I want to receive what he did for me on the cross and how he rose in power. And I want to live for him. If today you want to do that, then right there where you stand, I want to invite you to say, crowd to him and say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord, my God, my King. You can do that right now. And in just a moment, when we get into a time of response, pastors are going to come, worship teams are going to come, and they'll direct you today into a next step, a conversation. We want to get you a Bible, help you walk out this journey of being a citizen of heaven, not a citizen of this world. Today, if you are a citizen of heaven, then I want to invite you on all of our campuses as our ministry teams come now. You get to come and eat of the Lord's table. Come and receive the communion and the the, the cup and the bread. This is a precursor to the feast we're going to have with our king later on in, in eternity. 
And we get to remind ourselves that though we are citizens of heaven, we look forward to it. Here we're just taking him in so that we might live in the here and now as sojourners and exiles traveling through. Maybe today you need prayer. Maybe you've recognized some things in your life or been convicted of some things or need encouragement. Our ministry teams are here to pray with you. Maybe prayer for healing. Maybe prayer for something going on in your home. Come and take, take us up on the ability to pray for you or pray with you. We'll bring ministry teams now, worship teams now, pastors now, and they'll navigate that in your room. But I just want you at the end of this series, church, to understand that these spirits are still at work in our world today and God has made a solution, one by which we can stand. It's time that we, the people of God, the church of God, live lives that demand explanation. Be different and we will make a difference, but we've gotta say yes to deciding that we're not just gonna fall in line with the rest of the world as they follow the spirit of the world, the spirit of Babylon. Lord, help us. We need your help. Would you help us today to make decisions, small ones, that are gonna change homes, change marriages, change destinies, change eternities. We thank you for the example of Daniel and his three friends who in courage and boldness made decisions that changed kingdoms. And Lord, would you do it here and now in our church, in our campuses across the state of South Carolina to, to raise up a different kind of people that make a difference in our world, to make us a shining light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that demands explanation. We'll give you the glory for it all. Bless us now as we respond. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Feel free to come. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.